Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to an episode of Repodcasting live on site at the Calgary Expo. Um, we are so excited to be here. Uh, I'm Lucia. I'm a regular co-host of Repodcasting, and I have a very special guest co-host with me today, and that is Fonda. Hi. So, uh, Fonda, you are coming to us from another podcast. Yes, I have a podcast on the Alberta Podcast Network called I Don't Get It. It's about mostly contemporary dance in Edmonton. Uh, and theater and things like that. Um, yeah, and I'm also the program director at APN, so I, I know all you guys, and I love all the shows. And if I get a chance to be a guest on any of them, I'll take it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'd like to start off with a land acknowledgement. So in the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge that we live, work, and play on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, Siksika, Kainai, and Pikani, as well as the Tsutina, the Stony Nakoda Nations, the Métis Nation, Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. We're grateful to have the opportunity to continue sharing stories from this place, and we recognize our responsibility to acknowledge and amplify voices from these lands. So today uh, we are going to be recasting. We wanted to pick a movie that was, you know, Calgary Expo appropriate. So we're recasting the 1995 comic book adaptation of Tank Girl. So Fonda, have you yeah. seen Tank Girl before this? Yes, yes, I saw it a few times when I when it first came out, um, and then again in high school, I had a couple of friends who were actually really into the soundtrack. Oh. Um, so yeah, that and actually that was kind of how I got introduced to Bjork. So that was my that was my big thing with Tank Girl was actually getting in through the music side of it. Very cool. I remember when it came out. I was a teenager. I don't know why I didn't see it. So I actually saw it for the first time like eight months ago oh. and loved it. I thought it was so fun. But I remember like all the buzz I guess around it that it was very bad and that it didn't do well and so I was really surprised when I actually watched it and thought it was a super fun movie. Yeah I was kind of interested to kind of look back into the story of it of the film being made and that kind of thing and that the writers of the comic strip were not impressed with the film at all Yeah. Um, unfortunately and I mean I think I think the film has some great things about it I do think it has some serious flaws though as well. <laughs> yeah it definitely could use some work. And we'll definitely get into all of that because, yeah, the production history surrounding this movie is kind of interesting, too. But so in terms of box office, the budget for this movie was $25 million and the worldwide box office was $4.06 million. <laughs> yeah, so Tank Girl tanked. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of it can be attributed probably to the creator's saying that it's no good the director having the movie basically taken away from her at a certain point like just everything surrounding the post-production of the movie that even before that just I don't know doomed it to fail yeah yeah it just seemed that there were um there were too many cooks really in the end and it did not lend well to I think what the spirit of what the Tank Girl comic strip really was um yeah. it kind of it ended up getting much more sort of like aesthetic and different than what I yeah the writers initially really wanted yeah one thing that I thought was so surprising was the the writers said that 
they forgot to film about 10 sequences. Mm. Um, and so they just ended up animating those sequences. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because I love the animation parts in the movie. Like, I think it's it, that was kind of like maybe a blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. Having that mix, because it is coming from a comic, I think just made it... I don't know, it upped its cool factor or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think that as a blessing in disguise, I think you're right. Um, It really did lend well to reminding you that it is a movie that's based on a comic strip. But it also kind of gave you a chance to really see what the comic strip itself looked like. Um, And I think that, and then in contrast to the actual action parts of the movie, I was like, there was a marked difference in aesthetic. And yeah, that was... (laughs) interesting yeah um and so do you have a little synopsis of the movie um sort of (laughs) i know i had one job and it was (laughs) um so well it's set in sort of like a post-apocalyptic australia the corporation of power and water run by kesley is kind of overtaking everything tank girl is sort of like a you know vigilante fighting and all that there's there's other people there's um there's mutant kangaroos it's very um I don't even know what to say about the mutant kangaroos because I feel like <laughs> I feel like they they could have done some really cool things, but it ended up being I don't know. I felt like it was almost sort of like racist a little bit. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I I agree. I think that did not turn out maybe the way they had intended. I'm not sure. I hope that wasn't their intention anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the overall um, tank girl has a young girl, a young protege who gets uh, kidnapped, and the the sort of the basic plot of the movie is they're trying to go, get out and rescue her. Perfect. Okay, um, well, we're going to take a very quick ad break before we get into our actual recasting. Repodcasting is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. Offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you are choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. And back to the show. So we decided to recast two of the uh, roles, which was the Lori Petty tank girl role, and then Kesley played by Malcolm McDowell. And I personally think they're both great. Mm-hmm. And we're only recasting them for fun, not because we think they should have been removed from the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Lori Petty was just probably as perfect as they could find at the time. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> but so we also... Um, I don't know if anybody here knows, the rights to Tank Girl were purchased by Margot Robbie's production company in 2019, I want to say, recently. (laughs) Just before the pandemic, really, I think. Yeah, Yeah, so I think they had even started production, um, and then it got halted because of the pandemic. And then the last I heard, which was November 2021, it's now just halted indefinitely, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that kind of colored my view. I could only keep thinking of Margot Robbie when I was watching it because <laughs> she actually, I think, would be fantastic. But I didn't want to cast her. Um, but fine, I, I, I had the it. exact same reaction. When I saw the Margot Robbie thing, um, I thought, oh man, of course, she'd be perfect as Tank Girl. But so I also avoided choosing Margot Robbie for recasting. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, so we'll start with your casting choices. 
Sure. So um, the when I thought about recasting Rebecca or Tank Girl, I really thought that the main things I wanted to preserve were that she kind of has a very distinctive vocal quality. That you, of course, you don't hear it when you're in, with the comic strip, but in the film, um, I think that Laurie Petty sort of like kind of just she has an almost iconic voice of her own, um, and so I was thinking of like who can do like or has like a very distinctive female voices. They can do one line zingers really well, also a little bit raunchy. So the first choice that I had was uh, Nora Lum or Aquafina. Um, I think that she is hilarious. She definitely can get that raunch factor across. I was really sort of um, other than, and also has sort of like the comic experience too um, with her roles in uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings and she does voice work too. Uh, she did oh, cool. uh, Rhea and the Last Dragon. So that was why I kind of thought that she would be great. Also someone who can pull off a little bit of wild hair. Um, yeah and, and really her role in, um, in Crazy Rich Asians I thought was the closest to that sort of tank girl personality. Um, yeah and that's what that's that was my first choice. Oh I love it. She <laughs> would so bring the right energy to that role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Okay, and so for your second choice? So for my second choice, I felt like that this one was almost more obvious. As Tank Girl, um, of course, Natasha Leon. Uh, she has the voice. She could do the hair. She gets those one-line zingers. Like, and she's also just, like, she can really match Kesley, I think, uh, when it comes to the, um, the dramatic chops and just, like, the feistiness and bitchiness and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I, and also just, you know, love her. Uh, yeah, and, and since Russian Doll, you know, like, she's kind of got more action chops, I guess. Okay. So, um, so kind of liked her for that, too. Very, very good. Oh, she's so great, and I can't believe I didn't think of her. Like, she's yeah. perfect for that role. You can hear her delivering the tank girl lines, right? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, okay, and so then we'll go into your casting choices of Kesley um, as well. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah we can, absolutely. Okay. So, um, when in recasting Kesley, I was thinking, okay, older than tank girl, British guy, can be really mean. Malcolm McDowell has a lot of theater experience. He was part of the RSC, the Royal Shakespeare Company. And so my first one was Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming, of course, does have the comic villain experience too as Nightcrawler, but I know him more from that sort of like the punk rock um, and old school when Cabaret got remade and he did the Three Penny Opera. I think that the punk aesthetic of the original comic uh, Alan Cumming could just pull that off like balls out like he would just be fantastic um, yeah and I think that he would be um, a very good match for Aquafina um, yeah. so I would put those two together yeah. and I would hope that we'd have to add another musical number if he was cast of course I mean like I think that it would just go really well <laughs> um, yeah again you know just kind of like lending to the music also Alan Cumming I just like the guy he does podcasts he has a podcast called Shelves that's really wonderful yeah. um, and he's in a new fiction one called Solar too oh. um, so yeah his voice also again animating with the voice I like voice people this is why I'm into podcasting so. <laughs> Fantastic. That's yeah. such a good pick. Yeah. Um, and so then the second choice, I was also, again, thinking British guy, a little older, has the villain chops. Um, David Tennant. You know, I think that Kilgrave was just 
brilliant and terrifying. Um, and I so I think that he would bring a totally different sort of scariness mm. to Kesley. And he would be a fantastic match, I think, for Natasha Leon as yeah. Tank Girl. Alan Cumming would be more like the campy mm-hmm. Kesley, and he'd be more the terrifying one. The, like the real scary. Like if we were going to go like, you know, kind of Russian doll style with with it, I think that he would be like the, the scarier one for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, so we'll get into my choices now. So I was also thinking voice-wise too, and my first choice I didn't end up going with because I've never seen her. I couldn't find a picture of her. I only know her voice. (laughs) And uh, so I'll just mention her. Her name's Blair Saki. And so I've heard her on podcasts and she has done some like voice work in television. But yeah, I literally have never seen her act. So I decided to go with um, my first choice is somebody who I think is a little more like like she'd be a studio choice. She's Mm -hmm. really big. uh, She could carry the movie. Um, and so that was Zendaya. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think she could kick ass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she could... I think she could pull the one-liners off, too. And she could be, like, a really interesting tank girl. Um, but I have to say my second choice is really the one a little closer to my heart. Um, and that is Patty Harrison. She is from the show Shrill. Uh, she's yeah. been on I Think You Should Leave. She's very funny, but she's got like a really odd sense of humor (laughs) Um, and that's one of the things that I absolutely love about her and so I could absolutely see her embodying Tank Girl like almost more like what the comics were yeah so yeah I think that she would really be able to just I don't know bring this like I don't want to say quirkiness because quirky isn't the right word but like eccentric maybe <laughs> yeah yeah iconoclastic even like I totally I totally get that yeah, yeah. she's fantastic yeah <laughs> she's really fun and then you know she has headlined a movie before she was in an indie recently called Together Together so you know she's been the title ro- or the lead role before I think she could pull it off again absolutely cool um, and then thinking of Kesley he is very scary Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there are moments throughout the film where he seems, like, unbeatable, especially in their final battle. Like, you really do wonder, how in the world is she going to defeat this guy? And so when I think of someone who is very, very scary, and I don't know, I might be alone on this, I think Michael Shannon is really scary. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know what it is about him. It's his face. I don't know. But I think he is a very scary person and he can play a villain. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. He has that really almost like drawn quality to his face because like his features are so pronounced. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I agree. Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. It's not just me. (laughs) And then for my second choice, like I was kind of pairing them up together. So, and he's more like the commercial choice. But so for somebody to be opposite of Patty Harrison, I wanted someone a little campier, a little like could be silly and scary at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was Jack Black. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just honestly, I love Jack Black and I think he can do anything. Um, He's been in dramas and comedies and like, you know, he can move like nobody's business he can do action i i just think he can do anything and um i think his version of kesley would be really like fun but could be scary too yeah yeah absolutely i think i think that's a great choice actually (laughs) thinking about the comedy of it and yeah he'd be fantastic yeah i think i just like i want to 
I want the movie to still be fun because that's what I love about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so just some you know interesting facts about the movie in case people don't know. They did some test screenings early on, and you know the first round of test screenings went really well. The studio was so excited; they were like, "We have a hit on our hands!" And then they did some more test screenings and started to get kind of like a varied reaction, and I think that scared them off. So they basically ended up like taking the movie away from Rachel Talale, the director, mm-hmm. and. Now, what I read is they had one of their marketing people re-edit the movie. I don't know why you would... Bad, bad choice. (laughs) Like, you know, at the very least, get an editor to re-edit the movie if you're unhappy with it. Yeah. Yeah. Just looking back at some of the things that happened around that, of course, taking it away from Rachel Talalay, who has gone on to actually do a lot of the most recent, not the most recent, but a lot of Doctor Who. Um, I was considering Peter Capaldi for um, the Kessley recast a little bit because I kind of saw that connection. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, you know, it's just such a shame for it to be taken away from a female director and it was, you know, female fronted action film. Like, uh, yeah. Terrible history yeah. surrounding that. <laughs> and, and I don't know if this specifically hurt her career, but like, yeah, when I was looking through her IMDb credits afterwards, like, there's not a lot of movie work that she did. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, yeah, she has done some Doctor Who and stuff like that. But yeah, it feels like they they weren't willing to give her another movie. And I don't think the problems with this movie are her fault at all. Yeah. It's, no, I don't actually. Yeah, it, it is. <sighs> It ended up being, I, I think, a lot more of, like, they tried to Hollywoodize it, right? Like, they tried to kind of, like, make it palatable instead of the punk rock, raunchy, you know, like, hard-hitting um, where the comic strip was. And why the comic strip was so popular. Like, there were celebrities that were clamoring for cameos in this, and it didn't end up happening. Oh, wow. Like, Bjork was one of them. Oh. Bjork was supposed to play Subgirl. Wow. (laughs) I did see a few of the people who were at some point or other in contention for the role of Tank Girl of Rebecca. And they include Emma Bunton, I'm going to get the last names wrong, Jerry Halliwell, and uh, Victoria Beckham. Yeah, Emma Bunton, I think, could have done it. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's so interesting that I guess it's because of the time, like this is from 1995. So, you know, the Spice Girls were huge. It's a British property and so yeah I thought it was really funny that like a bunch of the Spice Girls were considered for this role. Yeah what I kind of thought was interesting about it is that yeah the the comic strip itself is from the UK it's set in Australia and Tank Girl is American. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I you know I kind of thought that that was a little bit odd but uh what I think about now about the time that it came out of course the music there's Portishead there was Hole um all that kind of stuff and like that was like that was the stuff for me. That was what I was listening to, even at is like, you know, junior high and all that kind of stuff. Ooh, um, was angsty. <laughs> oh, I was totally angsty. Oh my god. Still am. Um, yeah, uh, but that was kind of why I also um leaned towards Aquafina because she's a rapper. And so, you know, just like trying to get that sort of like a musical quality of like if the punk rock female fronted like Veruca Salt and all that was part of the original Tank Girl what would we have now um, for that sort of like the musical side of things oh I love Mm -hmm. that that's great so uh, Malcolm McDowell has actually spoken really favorably about his experience working on the film but what I thought was kind of odd was that he said it had the same flavor as A Clockwork Orange which when I was reading about that movie 
I don't think he had a very good experience on set at all. No, yeah. <laughs> so. And I don't and I don't really think that it actually has a flavor of a clockwork orange at all. Maybe the comic did. But the movie doesn't. And one of my favorite movies from this era, another UK movie, is Trainspotting. Trainspotting came out a year after this movie. And I thought, you know, just to see the contrast and knowing that um, the writing of the comic strip and and Irvine Welsh's Trainspotting happened really around the same time it was a lot of reaction to like thatcher post thatcherism and you know just kind of like the exploitation of the working class so um yeah i i just kind of thought like wow the like the contrast between tank girl and something like train spotting even though they're just very so so close together um initially yeah uh, yeah it's fascinating yeah i think back then like there had definitely been some comic book movies at the time not too many though especially compared to you know what we're used to now mm-hmm. um, but it, it does feel like this one was trying to keep it I don't know find a balance between like really heavy stuff like there's no water people are dying like mm-hmm. you know the world is in terrible shambles but also like it's very fun and, mm-hmm. and wacky almost at uh, different parts so yeah I thought that was really interesting to want to kind of walk that line yeah it, I mean it, it would be challenging to try and think of like how do we do these mutant kangaroos you know like without making it look like sort of like a Jim Henson version you know like a Muppet version um, which it did kind of end up looking like um, and and it wasn't you know I mean other than Booga like I don't know that they're as endearing as they should be even Booga yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I agree are there kids in here? I, I want to tell a quick story that is not kid-friendly. <laughs> um, so they, I guess they had created a prosthetic penis for Booga mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted to film a scene that was like post-coital between Rebecca and Booga. They spent $5,000 on this thing and like it was a huge big deal. And then the studio, of course, <laughs> said, absolutely not. Uh, he's a mutant kangaroo. This is too bestial. And like, <laughs> yeah, so they, they nixed that for sure. But um, apparently like they did film it. So I on it, I'm not talking just about that scene but I do want to see the director's cut just knowing that the first screenings were getting really positive reviews and then the studio went and hacked it so I'd love to see what that original thought was I wonder yeah I the director's cut would be very interesting and there is a lot like there is a lot of like dildo and penis imagery in the comic strip and yeah and it was basically just sort of like nixed and there's a very iconic actually they do show this in the film in the in the um, drawings uh, or the animated part where um, where it's Rebecca with a bra of like missiles yes. and it's got like the checkerboard punk rock look on it so yeah I mean that's that's what you kind of like think of when you think of Tank Girl the strip and then you look at the even the, the film poster and it's just it it's like a disnified version of it right it is and so that's what I find weird because it's like why buy that property if that property is too racy for you or you know it it just seems weird that you know they want to do this movie 
but completely change everything about the book. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it could have been a case of that they just didn't know what they were getting into, you know, like it on, you know, on paper without actually looking at the images or the story. Um, you know, you have like a female, um, like powerhouse leading a comic book movie. Um, and they're like, yeah, we want to do this. It should be great. But she's not what they bargained for, maybe. <laughs> so that's probably it. They just had like a 30 second elevator pitch and said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that's all. Oh, I do want to mention one more only because it makes me mad, which is the cold room scene between Kesley and Rebecca. Um, it was apparently way longer. There was a lot more dialogue and the studio completely chopped that up because they felt she didn't look pretty enough in that scene. Oh, I know that I, I read that too. And that just sounded that to me, that was just kind of like, what did you, did you read the book? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, just infuriating. They, it, clearly. Yeah. They didn't know what they were getting into or what they were bargaining for. Um, so the ratings for this movie, I will just go, oh, yeah, just jump back on what we were just talking about. But um, I thought Lori Petty looked fantastic in this film. Absolutely. Like with her crazy hair and all that, like she was, you know, she was rocking it. She looked great, I thought. And I mean, you know, even when she was just sort of like being, you know, in the in the less pretty scenes or whatever, I thought she just looked fantastic. And and that for at the time, Lori Petty wasn't the pretty girl in Hollywood. You right. know, she was playing sort of like smaller roles or like sidekick roles, you know, almost. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, I agree. She looked amazing. Um, but speaking of the hair, actually, I forgot to mention there was a British actress, Emily Lloyd. Um, she was actually cast as Tank Girl, uh, and then she refused to shave her head mm -hmm. for the role, and so that's when like you know they went looking again. And and I guess Lori Petty, when she first saw a drawing of Tank Girl, she said, hey, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had been rocking the short hair in other roles and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, she but, was really made for it. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so then the ratings for this movie, as I mentioned before, like it really wasn't a critical hit. So um, on IMDb, the Metacritic score is 46% from 23 critics. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 40% from 43 reviewers. And I think, I'm not sure about the Rotten Tomatoes score, but definitely the Metacritic score is um, mostly from like at the time when it came out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, it was almost universally hated when it was first coming out. But I'd love to see those critics watch it now. I feel like it aged well. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about this film lends to its cult status? Well, I think the look of the film, like the production design, is really interesting. They made some really like cool choices. Lori Petty, in a lot of ways, is carrying the movie. Like mm -hmm. she's doing such a great job. She looks so great. Her costumes and everything is all crazy and fun, and her zingers are great. So to me, I think it's mostly about her mm -hmm. because. Yeah, there are problems here and there with the plot. There are problems with the mutant kangaroos. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely not a perfect movie, but I do think it was like unfairly maligned. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I also think that the soundtrack is kind of just part of the cult status so too. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was really, really like vibing out to the music when I watched it the other day. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we will take our second ad break before coming back for our final segment. 
This episode of Repodcasting is also brought to you by Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine, another show on the Alberta Podcast Network. It is a weekly rewatch podcast um, where a sentient machine forces Kyle and Dave to watch movies in order to save the world. What I love about this show is that they do seasons um, by films released in a specific year for the most part, and they're doing 1982 right now, which is great because I'm a 1982 baby. So yeah, we love it. We love <laughs> Kyle and Dave. You can find out more about Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine and all the shows on APN at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Thank you. And uh, it's time for our final segment. (laughs) It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. And uh, if you're new to repodcasting, that is simply because we love Tony Danza. That's why we have this segment. (laughs) Um, So, Fonda, who did you decide to cast Tony Danza as in Tank Girl? (laughs) I mean, I had had two choices. One of them maybe is a little too obvious, but I thought that he would do Booga really well. Um, He's just kind of that sort of, like, dopey, like boyfriend type like I, I thought that would be funny um and then there was a there's a an officer that um Kessley kills really savagely right in the beginning and I thought that he would maybe as a second choice that I would put Tony Danza in that role oh, too no <laughs> but we don't want to kill Tony Danza right so yeah <laughs> um okay well for me I kind of had trouble with this one I don't know like I love Tony Danza and I do think he can do so much but I don't feel like his vibe fits into this movie so much Mm -hmm. from what I know. But I also think that, uh, especially like in the early 90s, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to objectify him for a second. He's a babe. He was cut. (laughs) He was fit. (laughs) And uh, I cast him as Richard, played by Brian Wimmer, who is uh, Rebecca's first boyfriend, who unfortunately gets killed pretty early on. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But we start off seeing him with no shirt. Ah, perfect. (laughs) Nice choice. I like it. Yes, there's a method to my madness. (laughs) Okay, so that does it for us here today. Thank you so much to the Calgary Expo for having us. Thank you to the Alberta Podcast Network, as always. And thank you to everybody here. Um, You know, it's really great that you came and listened to us. I really appreciate it. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are repodcasting on all the things. And um, if you want to email us with, you know, thoughts, suggestions for different movies that should be recast, you can do that at repodcasting at gmail.com. And of course, Fonda, thank you so much for coming and being my guest co-host today. Thank you for having me. This is great. I could talk about movies with you for a long time. So <laughs> Great. Then I can't wait to have you back. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Have a great day.